How's it going? It's going. It's going. Okay. It's going. It's going. We in no way just talked like a few minutes ago to get everything set up for the show or nothing. So no. it's not awkward to start this conversation at all. Not at all. Just all to right, warn well. you, I just want to give you a heads up. There will most likely be a chance that you will have to engage the audience by yourself for a little bit, a little later. All right, that's fine. And there also might come a time when my dog starts making noise and I'll have to go take him off the couch. So, how'd you know? Because I love those dogs. Yeah. Anyway, everybody, welcome to Chaos Everywhere. I am your host, Jonathan Gilchrist. And that guy over there, he's the most famous Phil ever to come out of near Pennsylvania. Uh, That's Mr. Artyvice. Yeah, yeah, get it, get it. 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 Do you get it? I got it. That was really good. Yeah, that's all. Uh, Everyone else knows when they know what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> once I say this next sentence, it'll make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and today we are watching the classic 1993 uh, movie Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day. Day. Yeah. Get it, get it now, everybody. Got the joke, okay. You get it. Uh, I said, do you yeah. fucking get it? And uh, yeah, we're going to. Uh, I've learned some facts, some weird Bill Murray facts, which are in every movie, and uh, we're just going to enjoy the movie. So, um, I'm ready to go. We're at 13 seconds, just because uh, we're watching on um, stars, so we had to skip over some stuff. So, if you want to get to about 13 seconds into the movie in whatever format you're watching. You'll be sunk right up with us. You should be looking at the Columbia Pictures logo. And, Columbia um, Pictures logo? Yeah, that's that's something that still exists, I think, sort of. Sort it's of. Like with TriStar, it has been, I think it's owned by Sony now. doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so we're going to hit play in a three, two, one, play. 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 It's going to delay. And I think it's working. Okay. Better. Play, play, play. 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 So, um, we get to start off by looking at the sky because time is involved. You know that this is a Harold Ramis film? Yeah. It's also the movie that kind of um, made him and Bill Murray stop being friends with each other for a long time, which is sad. And there's not like a specific reason. It's just this was like the straw that broke the camel's back and they just stopped talking. And then, well, now Remus is dead. So, What? Celebrities stopped talking to each other? Yeah. As far as I could tell, I couldn't see like anything that was like a really big like, uh, oh, this is the reason. It was more just like, a, yep, that happened. Ah. Uh, so. Oh, no, I forgot. How could Nevada... You forgot to turn the subtitles, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I did love that line when I first saw it. <laughs> In the Northwest, they're going to have some very, very large streets. I would watch Bill Murray as a weatherman every day. Absolutely. 
so one of the things that I learned about this movie that I think is good to put up top because it does really change what this movie would have been if they would have gone with the original idea. Um, the screenwriter was very adamant that instead of like seeing the Groundhog Day thing start happening, mm-hmm. that we would just start with Phil in the middle of like a normal day and it would just take us a while to figure out why he knows everything. And he actually made uh, Harold Remus promise to keep that part in, but then Remus later just decided not to because it's not really a good story arc. It's an interesting idea, but not very yeah. good for telling the story. It is a really yeah. interesting idea, though. Yeah, it's one of those things like I could definitely see myself thinking of that as an idea for a story and then mm-hmm. having to have someone tell me, like, no, but that makes it hard for the person watching or reading to understand. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Oh, we're going. <laughs> yeah, take that hairdo. Yeah, hairdo. <laughs> oh, shopping network. He got him. Got uh. him. See, that guy likes big trees, too. <laughs> so I watched this movie the other day just because I felt like it, and that's what gave me the idea to do it. Uh-huh. Um, but when I watched this scene, I thought to myself, like, I understand this is supposed to show, like, oh, isn't she kind of fun and quirky without even meeting her yet? But I also thought to myself, she's a TV producer. This can't be the first time she's seen a blue screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really good point, actually. Like, she's acting like somebody just walked off the street. Like, how does this work? It's just weird. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's a really, really good point. Uh, the place that you have to go underwater to get into. Oh, uh, I hate that. Uh, I know. There's, there's a very specific reason. But I will tell you a funny story um, that has nothing to really do with that. But it has to do with Jen. Mm. Jen does not like um, driving underwater. Doesn't like getting underwater. It freaks her the fuck out. She did not realize until we could not turn around that that's how we were going to enter Pittsburgh. It was Ah. a very tense few seconds when we went under the river. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember her almost screaming like, no, no. It was just... Uh, and then a similar story she told me the first time she went to New York they actually went to New Jersey and she didn't realize the subway they got on went under the water and that mm-hmm. also scared the shit out of her probably worse than the car because she wasn't in control so uh-huh, gotcha yeah yeah okay now, now we're off to the real star of the show Puck Satani and I a little fact I learned, this movie's not filmed in Puxitani, because why would it be? It was actually filmed in uh, Woodstock, Illinois, which I guess is only 50 miles away from where Bill Murray grew up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I thought that... Like, I don't know why you would think that they would go to Puxitani, but it's not like you need anything. They just they need a groundhog and a thing. That's all they need to do it. Yeah. Oh. 
apparently um, originally Tom Hanks was considered for this uh, for the role of Phil, but uh, Harold, yeah, Harold Remus thought that Tom Hanks would have been too nice. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're strictly only thinking of Forrest Gump, I guess I can see that. Oh, by the way, if no one more Scruffy decided he was going to get himself down and not wait for me anymore. So that's what that sound was in the background. What a good popper. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know if I believe that Tom Hanks couldn't pull off the dick part of Phil, but it um it definitely was like an interesting thought that it could have been him in this movie. Yeah. Oh, look at that nice hotel. can't stay here. It's done. It's over. Should I give like a synopsis of the movie for everybody in case there's somebody on this that could possibly have not seen this movie before? Because it's not a really hard concept. Yeah, I mean... And I just had that thought. Well, if for some reason you've decided this will be the first time you watch this movie with us, first of all, thank you. I'm glad that you um, appreciate us that much. Second yeah. of all, <laughs> love us, damn it. Yeah, love us and you know, just keep listening. It literally makes us money, and you have to do nothing but listen. <laughs> um, anyway, so basically, it's really simple. Uh, Phil here is a weatherman that's going to be, you know, reporting on the groundhog. And the whole concept of the movie is that Groundhog's Day is going to just keep repeating for him over. And over and over again until, you know. Actually, that's something we can talk about. I'm not 100% clear what he does that breaks the cycle, but eventually the cycle does get broken. Yeah. You know, honestly, it's been so long since I've seen this movie. I'm not entirely sure. It's not a, like, because I, I just saw a week ago, it's not 100% like this is what did it or that he does okay. something specifically. Yeah. Um, in a vague sense, it's just he becomes a nicer person, but that's not even that clear, really. Well, we'll watch oh. and find out. Moy Interessante. I have no idea what you were joking about there. What the hell is Boy no. Interessante? I, I just, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to back you up. I like. I wanted to get in there and help you and be like, I'm going to make this funnier, but I was like, what the fuck did he just say? I said, very interesting. Oh, okay. That's what, really? What? No, like, really? You didn't get that? No. You don't, know what, that, you don't know what that means? I did not get that reference. There's no reference. It's just Spanish for very interesting. Oh, yeah, no, I fucking suck at Spanish, dude. I, I took, like, four years of Spanish in college because I had to, and... Uh, and um, yeah, still sucked at it. Oh, I didn't wait. How, wait, how many? How, how what? How long did you take Spanish in college? Two, two years. Okay. So I had to take yeah, four same. semesters because I started with one hundred one and then went up till two hundred one, which is how far you had to go. Oh, oh, never mind. Yeah, I only had to take one year of that shit. Yeah, well, I took the two semesters or two years worth because I wasn't confident in my Spanish abilities from high school, which I had just gotten out of. So I was like, uh, okay. 
to be fair, neither was I, but I really wanted to not have to take it for longer than I had to. So yeah. I just fucking dealt with it and barely passed. Looking back on it, I bet I could have weaseled my way through it somehow and you just passed through probably, it. Especially if you had, what was her name? Sister Elise, I think. If you had gotten like Sister Elise as the as your teacher, you, you would have gotten, or professor, whatever you want to call it, you would have gotten out of it. Because I, 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 I was horrible and she passed me with like a uh, D plus or something. Uh, I didn't get her for any of my Spanish, so if I got the same people I did, I probably wouldn't have got through. Uh, I see. Anywho, let's get I back see. to other things that aren't Spanish. See, uh, see. Ah, uh, yes, San Diego. They say it's German for a whale's vagina. <laughs> But of course, the true meaning has been lost in history. Spanish for San Diego. Uh, agree to disagree. Uh, that's a good movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what's crazy to me? What? How amazingly great of a movie the first Anchorman is, uh-huh. and how horrible and almost unwatchable the second. Yeah. No, that's fair. I've seen the second one once and I don't remember anything about it, which is something for my brain because I usually keep some stuff. Yeah. It was basically, for all intents and purposes, to me at least, it was basically the same movie, only a lot worse. Right. Yeah. No, I I remember the only good part about the really came out was that the the fight scene from all the anchors was a really cool, but that was basically the only part that like stuck in my memory as good. Even that though, so like from the first anchor man, it was all absolutely hilarious. I think the problem was was like the second one was just trying to do the same as the first, but like more, and it was mm-hmm. just too much. Like they did the anchor, they did all the anchor man fight scenes like they did in the first one, right? But they like doubled the amount of like. Anchorman groups in it, and it just was so much. And it was so, it, it just became yeah. so much that it wasn't funny. I liked it, but I get your point. Yeah, no, I'm not going to defend Ooh. that overall. Oh. So, one of the things I just realized I really love about this movie is there's a bunch of facts about the Ned Ryerson stuff that I could go into. I just realized, oh wait, this is going to repeat about 500 times. So yep. I can just wait for one of those later times to talk about that stuff. <laughs> it really helps me, so I will remember to talk about stuff later. All movies should have continually doing new stuff. I wonder, I hope people take Groundhog's Day this serious in the real uh, Puxatoni. Huh. A giant leech. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're hicks. <laughs> oh. What? So, obviously, this movie is filmed out of order. One of the things that I found really interesting, but is so very much Bill Murray from anything you can hear about him, um, is that Remus would come up to him and try to like talk to him about different scenes and what they're doing, and Bill would just interrupt him and say, uh, good Phil or bad Phil? 
That's all he wanted to know. So as you can tell, this season would be or this scene would be bad Phil. Good Phil. Does Phil feel lucky? Oh, they're knocking on the door because you can't be oh. rude and drag that rat out of there. Oh, look at that little cutie. Little rabies filled cutie. Yeah. They actually raised the family of groundhogs for this movie. No, that's not the real Phil. Although I think Phil died this year and they had to replace Phil. Mm. Uh-huh, 720. Something I heard years ago that I, has always stuck with me, which I assume is still true, is um, at this point, it's just he always sees his shadows because of the news light um, that they have there to like document it, just cast a shadow. So yeah. There's no spread. point to it anymore at all. <laughs> yeah. Was there ever a point to it? Answers no. I don't, I don't know. This is this is one of those things that if um if you're a non-American listener, because I think we have a few, uh, he flipped out the camera. Um, if you're not American listener, this is one of those things you learn in like kindergarten here, like when you're like five, like the reason we have Groundhog's Day because it's basically just a fun story that you can keep a bunch of five-year-olds entertained while you wait to send them up to their parents. Yeah, so, basically. But since it was so long ago, I don't remember any of like the history that I'm sure I was told at some point. So this is something I also thought about while um, I was watching the movie, because this is the only time we really see them try and leave Pakistani during the movie while the loop is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but just depending on how long he stays in the loop, which we can talk about a little bit later, like you gotta imagine he tried going in every direction. He, you know what I mean? He had to have tried to go in like north, south, west, whatever to get away from the town. But there is stuff they specifically just left out, which I, which I was thinking about, which I'm glad I know the answer to now. That was just a very specific choice. I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, first, let's see Bill Murray. You could have put on your jacket, Bill. <laughs> I love that he's a weatherman, so he's like personally or professionally insulted that the cop says there's a blizzard. Yeah, it's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes you really got to weigh those options. This is one of those movies that cell phones would have made a big, a bit of a difference too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the magic of the loop would have still taken effect, but you could have actually got through to people. <laughs> there's several characters in the movie like background characters like the bartender and the the old homeless guy that 
there it's never implied in any way, but my brain kept saying, you know, the way he kind of looks at Phil, like the bartender looks at Phil, like he remembers that he's seen Phil a bunch of times before, um, makes me think, what if he's like the Morgan Freeman, meaning like the god of this universe, and he's Ooh. the one that's making Phil go back and forth? I like that. <laughs> I like that idea. So yeah, from now on, our official theory is the bartender is the one that's testing Phil. I'll agree with it, because, yeah, no, I like that idea. <laughs> there wouldn't be any today. I mean, come on. What the hell's wrong with you? Why would you have hot water at a hotel? <laughs> or at a breakfast? And so it begins. And plus, you gotta wake up every day to this sun and cheer. Uh, I didn't see anything. But I didn't see anything in my notes that I looked up. I'm really curious though why they picked that song to be the one that is on every morning. There's not really a specific reason to it. Maybe it's just because it's like kind of vaguely annoying, but without being. Horrible, but you have to listen to it every day forever. Especially cold out there. <laughs> it's like, I like the beginning, it's like, wait a second. I mean, at this point, it could still literally be what he said at the beginning, and just the same tape from the day before. Yeah. So, as we're about to hit the next Ned Ryerson scene, I'll say that the um, one of the things I didn't realize, because my brain, it was just like, oh, they just filmed like all the Ned Ryerson scenes all together, and then moved on. But actually, what they did was they filmed, they did film all the scenes, obviously, over and over again, but they would film them at different times of day in different weather so that when they went back and edited the movie, um, Remus could pick out what he called Wisconsin dreariness as like the weather for every scene. <laughs> so I just, I didn't realize that level of like, like I just thought that's the weather that they had. No, they could have made a movie where all the weather was like sunny if they wanted to. <laughs> It was like 500 remixes of Groundhog's Day you could do with the footage that they must have had. Everybody loves coffee. <laughs> oh, I hate deja vu. Me too. I just I it the day. <laughs> There's a really funny um, George Carlin bit that I love that he said, um, everybody's heard of deja vu, but have you ever heard of Vujade? That's the feeling that none of this has ever remotely happened ever before in the history of ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's still just once a year, isn't it?
Phil Connors, I thought that was you. What are the odds that he would really run into somebody that knew him in high school <laughs> on like Groundhog's Day? That must have made Ned feel so good that his friend from high school remembered him right away. Right? He seems like the needy type. He does. Sharp as a tap today. I tell you. Jesus, this guy. <laughs> Oh, then, oh, there it is. Watch out, that first step is a doozy. <laughs> that can't not be a joke specifically for people that are reading signs in this movie. Did you see what the sign says that he just walked under? No. Gobbler's knob. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There's, no, there's no way the guy that wrote Ghostbusters didn't notice that sign or didn't put up that sign specifically for immature people like myself to laugh at. Yeah. <laughs> I love that she doesn't question that as a producer. She's just like, okay, I will slap the shit out of you if you ask me to. Trunk is more fun. <laughs> Again. I think that's the one that if they when they play this movie on TV, like you know, every year that they do, that's the scene that always gets played. Oh, it's Groundhog's Day again. Again. I, you know, I would actually really love that. You know how TBS shows a Christmas story over and over again for 24 hours? Yeah. I would, I would really be okay with Groundhog's Day getting played on a station for 24 hours over and over again. I'd be fine with it because I don't really watch TV and I wouldn't watch it anyways. Yeah, right. So I'd be perfectly um, okay with it. Where I spend most of my Christmases, there's a very big fan of a Christmas story, so I watch that movie at least two or three times on Christmas Day. So yeah, I was <laughs> I was stuck with that uh, as, as a teenager, but not mm -hmm. so much anymore, luckily. Yeah, it's not horrible, but it's definitely not what I would pick if I were picking. But whatever. Yeah. Have you ever seen the sequel to that? Or I think it was technically a sequel, the summer. Uh, the summer one. Yeah, I know there is a number two. I have not watched it. Like this they is the do, first like, battle. Movie, they so. battle the whole thing of it is like they're battling like spinning tops. Yeah, that's weird. It's like it's like seventies Beyblade. <laughs> um. So this is a scene that doesn't happen again. So I want to tell you this stuff because it's actually really it's such a drastic change. So originally in this scene. 
Phil is supposed to like destroy his room, like, and they filmed it, slash up the pillows, do all sorts of shit, and then mm-hmm. shave his head. But they couldn't get the transition right, so they uh, literally went from doing all of that to breaking a pencil to do the same effect. <laughs> I just I love the idea of going through all the trouble of destroying a room, just to be like, okay, we'll say the show the same thing by just breaking a pencil. But yeah, simple is better sometimes. Where are you jogging to? Do you hope you can run away from it? Ah. Yeah. That's how I react to most homeless people trying to touch me. Yeah, right. That's not true. That was me being funny. Or trying to be. Actually, I have enough of a resting, you know, don't talk to me face that most people won't talk to me no matter what. Which I'm fine with. That actually works for my personality, despite how sparkly and bubbly I am on this podcast. No, we've already done it twice. What do you think she did? Do you think this, because they won't get to see it, do you think she got on the camera? Or I do you think, think so, they yeah. just filmed That'd be my guess. Or... No, that'd yeah. be my, my guess or that she be, she got on the kind of camera. Would be my. So I did. I would never notice this because I'm not good at small details like this. But in this diner, if you look around, all the clocks in the diner are stopped, um, just like Phil is stuck in time. Oh. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I've never noticed it, but now it's obvious once somebody pointed it out. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, look at that. What is she supposed to do to help you? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Phil, like the ground dog? I was, why does everybody keep bringing up the fact that I'm wrong about Blizzard hitting Pittsburgh? Aaron, I'm going through enough without being constantly reminded that I'm bad at my job. <laughs> uh, nice cameo from the director. I said that because in in case anybody doesn't recognize him off-site, that's, of course, Harold Remus. Just, no one? Okay. Sorry, I forget sometimes if people are like me that remember who actors are. I guess if you watch Ghostbusters, you should know. Yeah. (laughs) He is an alcoholic. (laughs) Man, he's getting around. He's doing a lot in one day. Right? Like, when you really think about it? Yeah, even with the time loop, he does get a lot done in one day. 
before it resets. Yeah. If, if there wasn't such a big falling out from that movie, which we should also maybe do at one point, um, what about Bob? It'd be really funny if, um, uh, what's his name? Richard Dreyfus was the psychiatrist here too. <laughs> right. Sounds nice. Yeah. Sounds like a Bill Murray kind of day. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to be graphic about it, but what does it mean to make love like sea otters? Fuck if I know. <laughs> I know I haven't done it. I'm just curious on what it could mean. I mean, they are. <laughs> yeah, that about something. <laughs> I, I really like that. It's like, well, I mean. <laughs> I mean, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Pretty right? Much. Every day's the same. It actually is impressive that it takes him three days to figure out that he could do anything he wants. Mm-hmm. Friends don't let friends drive. And as we get into like him doing different stuff, one of the things that went through my mind was some of the darker shit you could do if nothing mattered, like yeah. you know, murder, torture, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it bugged me throughout watching the whole movie. I'm like, how much did he do that we're not seeing? Um, yeah. that, <laughs> that was a very purposeful choice. They don't, the director and the writers didn't. Um, say it didn't happen, but they made the very specific choice not to focus or mention it. So, like, they understood exactly where somebody would go if you were, like, trapped like that, and it could happen. But mm -hmm. just look at what some people, like myself, do in video games when there's no consequences. So, uh, I was just murdering some guards in Skyrim for no other reason than I could, just before yeah. we started recording. Yeah, you're like the murder hobo master, so... Yeah, but I have a weird OCD thing where I don't like um, NPCs to not be there because they don't regenerate. So I always save it before I go on a murder spree because I don't mm. want to just depopulate the town. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> Start with taking out a mailbox. think they want you to stop. I mean, he did stop. Yeah. I never noticed he took out the trash can with the uh, the groundhog head on it. Actually reminds me a lot of the uh, where we went to college, all the squirrels in town. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember anything. Well, if you don't remember it, if you ever went into town, which I didn't actually see this a lot when I was in college, it was after I left, um, they had just 
statues of squirrels around that were like painted differently. Like there was a Ronald McDonald yep. squirrel. Yeah. 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 To be fair, they have them around here where I live too. Only they're oh, moose. Oh, moose. I think mooses are better. I like mooses. Yeah. Every place has squirrels. Mooses are like unique. I mean, I don't know why you didn't let the train hit him. Like, let's test it out right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> There's so many cops for this small-ass Pennsylvania town. Right? Like, I don't know how many cops were in the town I grew up with, which has got to be smaller than Pakistani, but not, I can't imagine three of them chasing one person. I mean, what else do I have to do? That's true. Good point. So this is actually taken from a real uh, story of uh, the actor Paul Lynn, um, where he got drunk in real life and got pulled over by the cops. And he, when they came to the door, that's what he said, something like that. He did a food order. So that's why they put that in there. <laughs> I like that. Apparently not. Apparently, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and kiss you for no apparent reason. I mean, he had a long time. Maybe he hit it with her once. Maybe he's like, you know what? I'm gonna try it. Here we go. This is, I think, my favorite one of the interactions. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> It would take me so many days to get tired of punching Ned in the face. Uh, so one of the other little facts about the Ned Ryerson scene, actually there's one here too, but um, in the home or in the town where they filmed this, there's a plaque that says this is where Bill Murray stepped or something like that. Um, or nice. Bill Murray stepped here. So yeah. <laughs> And this scene, the gorging scene, um, they offered Bill Murray a spit bucket, you know, because he's going to be eating just crap loads of food. And he refused uh, and immediately got sick right after filming it. I don't, even if I were trapped in a time loop, I don't think I would start smoking. Yeah, I don't right. really have any wants to do that. I would eat cake like that. <laughs> I understand the point that this scene's making with her, like, quoting this poetry. Um, mm -hmm. But who the fuck actually would quote poetry in real life? <laughs> Seriously. 
like we've both known some people that have done some reading and I've yep. never been quoted poetry at me at any point in my life. I think we both know one person who probably would do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope we're thinking of the same person, but I can't imagine uh, it would I be anybody else. A particularly small and weak person. <laughs> Is it one that said, uh, fuck your life? Yes. Yes, yep. <laughs> Immediately, the exact person came in my head. <laughs> Is it possibly the one who I thought was going to get killed on campus after that? <laughs> oh, my God. I... I wish I had been there, but the story itself is very fun. Holy shit. Like, no, I was there with uh, um, another friend of ours mm-hmm. um, who is uh, who is bald right. and muscular. Gotcha. Um, yeah. It's like his anti, like, it's like the bizarro world for those two. Yeah, really. But yeah, w- I was down there with him when when that person read that. So and- so Without we were both like our, our our mouths were actually open, and we yeah. were both just like, "Oh, are we gonna have to try to protect him?" And I was like, "Nope, <laughs> yeah, right." So, without doing the details, just because like we always try to respect people that are you know in our lives, um, yeah, privacy and whatnot. I can just say that it was at college. It was at like an open mic thing, and this guy was reading. What he would cons- what he considered poetry, and it was one of those things where you're in your early twenties and you think you're so smart and groundbreaking and you can shock, you know, the world, basically. And so it's just one of those stories. Like I'm sure everyone listening, if you went to college, you know that story. So, uh, so yeah, no, just without any context, that's what we're talking about. That kind of story. That's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. man. He did it for shock value, and boy, did he get it. Like, legit, people were, like, just staring at him. It was so silent down there. And this is a a college bar, and people were silent. Oh, yeah. No, I wish I had been there, because I would have just been equally as awkward. I just wish I had seen it, although it's been described to me so many times. I feel like I was there. Uh, by the way, I want to point something out just about the difference between me and Bill Murray as far as like charm and social skills. Uh, Bill Murray sat down next to this woman uh, the day before and got a couple of details about where she went to high school, you know, who her English teacher was. And he uses that to make her think that they were in high school together and mm-hmm. immediately gets to sleep with her. That would not work if I had a million tries to do it. Right? Like... <laughs> Like that is that is a Bill Murray superpower, or at least a superpower of somebody that is that confident and well, just good with words, basically. <laughs> uh. No, what? What? Oh, I mean, she is older. So I guess she is probably like uh, desperate for companionship. Yeah, maybe. But like, but like who who just meets up? You know what? I can't answer because people do do it. I was yeah. gonna say who like who just meets someone and is and gets proposed to and she's like, oh yeah, I, definitely. Yeah, 
Well, that's the other thing. Again, we don't know if that's his first try or his 30th because yeah, eventually he fair. knows about everything about everybody. So if somebody shows up and says they know you and knows yep. all the stuff about you, it could definitely work. But again, I think you also have to be, a, if not a Bill Murray, just somebody that's more socially inept than I am because I really don't think I could ever get it to work no matter how much I knew. You know what I mean? Uh this is the only real crime. Well, we see other crimes, I guess, but this is the one that's like just him doing something illegal for the sake of doing something illegal where he steals yeah. money. Which, I mean, I guess, why wouldn't you? It's much less hassle than stealing the car that you want to drive. Not only that, but it's not like he gets to keep it. Yeah. I love that the guy's like, oh, I thought I had two bags. Oh, well. But yeah, seriously, like it—it it all goes away at the end of the at at the end anyway. So, another just random question. This is just me again nitpicking. Where in Puxatani did he find a place to buy a Mercedes, Ooh. or like a classic? Or yeah, no idea. <laughs> Mercedes. I said Mercedes. Mercedes. Ugh. Also, Clint Eastwood costume. Uh, I've seen it over a hundred times. So yeah, um, that's a, like a kind of a thought of like how long he's been doing this already. Um, apparently, originally, um, uh, Remus his idea was that he'd be stuck in the loop for ten thousand years. Mm. Um, other people have done estimates based on like skills that he learns. Um, throughout the whole thing, that if it takes like 10,000 hours to get like mastery at something and just other stuff like that, that like the estimate's like 34 years. Wow. So, Jesus. either way, yeah, either way, it's pretty long time he's stuck in this loop. That's so, that's insane. I don't, like, uh, how long do you think you'd be able to last going the same day every, like day after day after day? I think, well, again, I think now with the internet, it's a different idea. Like, would it be annoying and very, like, it's, you know, but if I can change things, like, I can choose to do different things, like, watch different things. I don't have to watch the same movie a hundred times. I can watch one oh, movie. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I don't age. I, I might make that bargain. But yeah, eventually I'm sure it would get annoying. And especially dealing with other people and having to have the same conversations every day. Yeah. But um, yeah. Now I, I say that, but I'm also the guy that like I spent a year literally doing nothing after college. And it took about a year for me to get stir crazy. So I'm very I'm very well adapted to not doing much if I have to. That, that's one of those things I say as a like a impressive thing, but I realize it's also a very sad thing. I just I want everybody to know I'm very self aware of what that actually sounds like. Who's your perfect guy? At this point, he's like, "Well, I've slept with everybody else in the town." Um, right. So, he tried out a few of the guys just for shits and giggles, but uh, oh, there's just such a darker movie if you go down that road of like 
crime and not getting punished for it. <laughs> and I, maybe I'm maybe I'm the deranged one for having the fault, but I feel like I don't know. I feel like without consequences, it's not an it's not nobody that would take advantage of it and do some really bad shit. Although I don't know how much I would do. Let's stay in the fun romantic comedy world, shall we? I could fake all of those things. I'm not going to lie. Like, the fact that, like, like that that whole, like, perfect guy thing, Uh like, because the fact, I don't think she's joking. I think that she's, like, sincere about that. And, like, that bugs the crap out of me. Why? Because it's like, because it's a, that's a, that's a common thing. And it's just so unrealistic. And it makes, makes things very difficult. Gotcha. Yeah, no, unrealistic standards can seem annoying, but you know, you gotta, you gotta live life and meet it at its own terms. Meet your face at your own terms. <laughs> or that. Larry's still working on that van. Um, I don't think this is a show you watch, but it, this, that, this moment reminds me of it. Uh, there's an episode of Burn Notice where Mike, the main character is trying to get to know the bad guys because he's a spy. And he does. they do a voiceover to explain stuff. He's like, you ever just meet somebody and you really hit off? Like, you like all the same books. You love the same shows and the same drink. And you, you think you've just been best friends forever. It might be that it's kismet. Or you could have a listening device in your car. Like, <laughs> I like it. But here's the interesting thing. And, we, and again, as the story progresses, we'll talk more about it. By the end of the movie, is he genuinely closer to who she wants? Or has he just been learning all this stuff about her and faking it for so long that he's convinced himself that he is that person. Yeah. Because, like, right here we see him, like, learning what she likes to say when she gives a toast and what her favorite drink is and all that other stuff. And Again, this is, if it goes 34 years, that's a long time to learn everything about her. <laughs> like, I, look, I do like the, wow, you know what? <laughs> That look, like, I, I, I can just, see what you're saying about that. He just looks like, okay, if you want to waste your time doing this, I don't care. We'll just do it again tomorrow. At least they went somewhere that was like had a touristy thing. Like if you got trapped in my hometown and repeat over and over again, your options literally would be just to watch your watch, you know, movies every day yeah. forever. I'm not shaming Nancy because sometimes, you know what, you just want some companionship. He's working much harder to get Rita to the same place. Like, 
from what we saw, he was able to convince Nancy in a day with just yeah. a few weird things. I think at least four or five days we see him on this date with Rita before it actually works. To be fair, we don't know how long he was doing this for the other people. That's true. Like, Nancy could have taken a few days itself. It, it's implied yeah. that he did it, but there's nothing that says that it well, didn't take more than a, one day. So, yeah. I do love the idea because as a philosophy minor and a history major of someone just laughing at your choice of major in college. Uh, 19th century poetry is, or French poetry is very specific though. I love, that, I love that subtitles don't even try with other languages. It literally just says speaking French. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's almost like he's the perfect man so here um, there's going to be a snowball fight um, just fun little story uh, the Remus again came in and told the kids throwing the snowballs to throw them at Bill Murray as hard as they could and in return Bill Murray was throwing the snowballs back at them as hard as he could of course Uh, I don't know exactly when this happened. Um, part of like what causes the rift in, between the two in this movie and in general is that at this point, Bill Murray was going through a divorce. So I really? think part of that probably played into him not being fun on set, if you guess. Yeah, but, I can um, see that. But I did want to tell the story I told on Chaos Thought Frontier, just in case there's some people tuning in here that didn't hear there. At one point, Bill Murray got so annoyed with the production that he refused to speak to anybody and hired a personal assistant that was deaf and mute and only spoke sign language, and nobody on the crew, including himself, spoke sign language. So that's the level of petty Bill Murray will uh, stoop to if he has to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you already knew that fact because I you know, said that. Right. Because maybe people don't listen to both shows. So there you go. I mean, I hope they listen about that. That, uh, that situation can do that to a person. Um, so <laughs> I, um, I definitely don't judge. You just thought to yourself, a deaf PA, that would have been a great way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Ooh, so, um, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Well, this of, exactly. This is one of my favorite lines. Rita just, if you're not watching along, Rita just said, it's like the perfect day. You couldn't have planned it better. And Phil was like, well, you can. It just takes a lot of work. Like, you have to basically spend about a good month just planning this day and doing it over and over again to get it perfect. Man, we got you such a better hotel room. Uh. Right. <laughs> Actually, it really is a nice hotel room. Like, he has his own living room. Like, uh, this guy. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, 
everybody gets born with a certain amount of like ability to talk to the opposite sex. And um, well, I feel like there's only a certain amount of it in the entire world. So there's some people that get to be Bill Murray or others. And then there's some people that, well, maybe start podcasts and talk about movies and uh, wrestling and other nerdy things. He wrote, oh man, poor guy. Oh, so, I feel so bad for him. <laughs> that feels a little set up there, Bill. Right? I mean, we all know, we know it is all set up, but like, just as like a, if you were on a date with somebody and they already had the ice cream outside, it's like, huh, that feels Like, how is that not? Especially when you're not like at their apartment and it's just like, this is just a hotel room that they've only been there supposedly for a day. Oh, yeah. Man. This is oh, man. It's, it's cringy. Yeah. And I was just about to say, this is even the worst example of this, but it's definitely before the, like, no means no, like, wasn't just a joke. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like the Family Guy joke with the James Bond where where the girl keeps saying no, and, and uh, Sean Connery, of course, keeps saying yes, and then turns to the camera and says, see that? 50 no's and a yes still means yes. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, I feel like he should just stop and just, like, try again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could call Nancy, but I didn't set up all that <laughs> Oh, time for round one million. Yep. That shows, well, there's a lot of reasons why I couldn't be an actual filmmaker. But going back to the fact that they filmed scenes in different weather to choose which one they wanted for the scenes, like, I would never have thought to do that. It would not even occur to me. Like, but it's such a brilliant idea and gives you so many options. Also, you can't, like, you don't get the full effect of it without hearing how he's saying those lines, but he gets really manic energy in this particular snowball fight. He's getting, yeah, he, it's really crazy how, like, how, like, how, like, crazy he's getting, you know? Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a pause on the trying to date Rita thing for a while. Right? Might be a good idea. <laughs> if I'm judging the Groundhog Contest, by the way, so far the first one's winning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the artistry of the other ones, but the one at the end really just looks like the Groundhog. Thank <laughs> you. 
<laughs> there's another part of it. Like you have to go the next day after you like she slapped you about five hundred times and just be like, Oh yeah, everything's cool and she has no idea. Yep. That was the most. This isn't a real fact, but that was the most expensive shot in the movie. <laughs> so now we're we're like there. Oh, that was something that I really liked about um, the the analysis. Apparently, um, part of the way they kind of frame Phil's journey is the five stages of grief, which are. Um, Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Mm. So those are the stages of grief when you die, you go through basically. And so that's part of how they frame his, like, you know, how he eventually gets there. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a completely different idea now, like, in 2020 whatever it is. Um, <laughs> uh, but it whatever, is a completely, whatever. But it's a completely different idea because like, just imagine just having three channels and just the one Jeopardy episode. And actually, I kind of would, wouldn't mind a few years in a time loop where I could catch up on shows that I like and not be, you know, getting older and dying. Oh, this might be the anger stage. I'm not, I might be wrong. Let's go. I like it. So I think it's the next one here when he throws the clock on the floor and it like smashes into bits. Um, he really did throw it on the floor, but it didn't break to the degree that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So like the crew people had to go in with like a hammer and like really break it up. So it looked like that. Ah. Um, but the music did genuinely keep playing in, in the uh, clock, just like it is in the movie. No way the winter's ever going to end. It's all the groundhog's fault. Real good, Phil. Real good. You always love it when, you're, uh, when your on-air talent starts threatening a rodent. Hmm. Action news. I know that that's an actual thing. I don't. I want to know why that started being a thing. Why every town had an action news? Somewhere out there, there's an answer to that question. Huh? You have smile, Happy. <laughs> so. Um, I don't know this movie as well as I know Groundhog's Day, but apparently, originally for what's about to happen, I won't spoil it, but 
apparently originally Phil was supposed to go into the groundhog's um, lair to get it. And they decided not to do that because it was too much like Caddyshack with the gopher. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Wouldn't even occur to me to not to do that, but I was just like, oh yeah, no, because he had that whole gopher thing. Gotcha. <laughs> Man, he is crazy. Oh, did I tell you when I went uh, back when I had to leave my uh, prior abode and, and come spend some quality time with you for a while? On my way there, I actually had to stop at a gas station that had one of those... Uh, had those old gas pumps to where you had to pay inside. There was no cards or anything. Right. Oh. It was in the, it was in such a small town, and all they had was that. Yeah, it was like oh, son of a bitch. Yep. Yeah, I I've never had to do that, and I come from a shitbird town, so. Good I was on impressed. Us. Yeah, that is really impressive. You can find it. So right there, when um. Phil, again, because I didn't actually know that was a real fucking groundhog. I thought it was a puppet. Um, when yeah. Phil was saying, don't drive angry, that was actually uh, Bill Murray ad-libbing because the groundhog was trying to escape. And right after that scene, because the groundhog was really irritated, it actually bit him, and he had mm -hmm. to get medical attention and rabies shots. Awesome. In fact, he had to do rabies shots twice in this movie because the groundhog bites. Impressive. Yeah. That would also make me cranky, by the way, because I've heard oh, I've never had them, but those those fuckers hurt. Honestly, I, I mean, to be real, it's not like Bill Murray really did have like a fucking horrible time during the shooting of this movie. Yeah, with all the crap yeah. that he had to go through. No, like, what about Bob has weird stories about him too? So, you know, he has a reputation, but like this movie, it seems like there's a few things that were contributing to that. One of the things that I guess stopped him and uh, Harold Remus from talking was like he, because of all the stuff he was going through, he had a lot of anxieties about the script. And I guess Harold Remus, instead of going to him and talking out, actually sent like a script supervisor to like uh. go over the whole script. And and I guess it just upset him that he didn't go, like that he sent somebody else and didn't go himself. Gotcha. So, yeah. Which I can see. They were at that point they were like multi year friends that had been in like five hundred like five or six movies at least together. <laughs> he, you know, he like, realistically, who has a reaction like that when they see something like that? You know what I mean? News cameramen that have seen it all. I guess. <laughs> that's also like the first time, like yeah, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but that's the first time you've tried suicide and that's got enough. Mm. Maybe, like, if we were going to rewrite, without getting into it, without getting into the detail, I just realized something. If we were going to rewrite the darker version of this movie, I feel like right after the suicides, when the murder would start, because I read somewhere that suicide and murder are actually very similar mental processes. So mm. if, you, if you cross that line with one, it's easier to cross with the other. 
So that was just my brain going like, that's how I would write it. Right about here, right after the suicides don't work. That's probably when the murder would start. <laughs> just, you just don't believe it. Like you just feel like you have to find the right way to do it. And that's how it's going to yeah. go. Also, nobody cares that he's standing up there. Right? Jeff Hardy. <laughs> Swan Tong. This is an interesting part of the world, or like the logic of the movie, is that because there's a scene where they go and find his body at the morgue, that means that the reset doesn't matter when he dies. The reset doesn't happen until... Um, 6 a.m. or whatever, the end of the day. Right. <laughs> I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a lot, but at this point, why wouldn't you assume that? Special blueberry waffles. Also, I feel like we need to start a church. That's what you do when you're a god. At a certain point, it's probably not even about trying to get with people either. It's just a, like, well, I'm bored and there's nothing new to do, so I'll learn about this random person that's always in the diner at 5 a.m. So yeah, if um if we followed the original idea for the movie, this is about where we would have come in, because obviously at this point Phil knows everything. <laughs> I love that she confirms that without even like figuring out why he would know that. Mm. Everyone knows that. He also just met you like today from your point of view. <laughs> yeah, right. Why <laughs> rhinestones? Who's the guy with the red hat? Oh, we're, we're naming people. Who's that guy over there? You know what? 
this moment right here is kind of like a reverse 50 first dates. Yeah, that, that's fair. But yeah, <laughs> I would never put those two movies together, but you're right. I will say it's a little less skeevy than Fifty First Dates in that um, in Fifty First Dates there's a real life medical problem that's causing the you know hilarity of doing the date over and over again. In this, it's a magical thing, so it's not anything he has control over. How much do you think somebody would have to tell you to convince you that they're reliving the same day over and over again? Probably about as much as he told her. <laughs> uh, you don't think, because we know of the movie Groundhog's Day, something can just go, no, it's a Groundhog's Day situation. That's what's going on. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't know if this is one of the ones that goes in the calculation, but clearly he spent some days just throwing cards into a hat. Yeah, right? Ooh, six months. Okay, so he spent six months doing that. Yep. Just that, too. Like, again, that's just, ugh, can't even imagine. And he hasn't even got to the any of the hobbies that I would assume would be, you know, worthwhile, like piano. He does that later. Hmm. Although, one thing that that does open up, even after he breaks the time loop, he has now died like every way imaginable, so not a lot of fear left for him when it comes to dying. Yeah. <laughs> as far as like it hurting or anything. Maybe someday, if there is, is ever a day. <laughs> I do love this joke. Not until 6 a.m. That also, I mean, that adds something to how long it would take him to learn stuff that I just realized. Because, like, I can stay up till 6 a.m., but I always, like, lose half the day the next day. For him, it all resets. So you could stay up to 6 a.m. every day using all that time, and then you reset to have slept a full night the night before. Mm -hmm. So never thought about that before, but that adds, that's like the American Dad episode where he has a pill that makes it so he doesn't have to sleep. So, knowing now that he went through a divorce, the story gets a lot sadder. Um, but apparently, the idea of him reading to her while she's, like, falling asleep is actually from his real-life marriage. Um, yeah, when they got married, she had too much champagne at the wedding, and so she fell asleep, and he kept reading to her until he fell asleep. Aww. So. Yeah, knowing that they were going through a divorce at the time makes it a little, a little bit more bittersweet than it was the first time I read it. But, right? Yeah. Well, 
wonder what he was reading. I actually don't know. Maybe some French poetry. Maybe. Oh, he's he's genuinely falling in love with her. All it took was a couple of years. <laughs> That's one thing that like I'm I'm trying to work it out in my head, but again, just to put it in context, he has thirty four years to know everything about her and fall in love. They just met yesterday from her perspective. Yeah. That would be a little bit more difficult. Right? I do think it kind of works itself out a little bit by the end, but um, we'll, we'll, we can decide wh whether we think that that'll actually be a lasting relationship once they're out of the time loop. Oh, that's nice. Did you say something? <laughs> nope. That's very true to life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope, and I'll never say it again. <laughs> Ever again. Yeah. That moment Maybe. has passed. 6 a.m. and he's by himself. Duh. Yeah, this is the part of the movie that kind of confuses me because, um, like I said, we don't really get an explanation how it stops, but I can't really figure out what the difference is between how it stops and that night. Mm -hmm. There, there's one. There is a slight difference actually, which maybe it's. I think it might all come down to selfishness or selfishness in any way, but I'm not 100 percent sure. We'll have to, like I said, work it out after we actually watch the whole thing. Which, eh, we're getting there. Hey, look, crawlers. That lady with the sign is really excited about Groundhog. <laughs> How... How long do you think it took before he, he did a Larry day to learn about Larry? Right. <laughs> like, okay, I've learned about everybody else in the town. Might as well fucking learn about Larry. Fucking cameras look really heavy. <laughs> oh, at least the uh, Puxitani has a, rel a relatively well-stocked library. I mean, it's gotta. He's gonna run out of shit eventually. Yeah. 
would just be so much easier with like a working phone and the internet. Like everything resets, so fucking money doesn't matter. Oh, I've spent 30 bucks so I can listen to this book today or read this book today. That's one thing I think I'd have to learn to get better at because I'm not a very fast reader. And there are books that just take a really long time to read. So I'd have to spend some of my time becoming a speed reader so I could finish a book in a day. Because uh, audiobooks wouldn't help. So. <laughs> get out of here, kid. Thousand fucking dollars. Come back tomorrow, Susan. <laughs> I mean, in reality, he can give whatever of his money he wants away because he's going to get it all back the next day. Right. I mean, here it seems to imply that he's learned fluent Italian. Ciao. If I had to guess, I would say we're at the acceptance stage of the five stages of grief, which is the last one. This is an interesting, just like, I don't know how people do this. So I think it's right here. It's either right here or one of the other piano scenes. He's playing a particular type of music, but he can't read music, Bill Murray. So it was actually what he was playing, he learned by ear, which I find very impressive. Mm. Also, master uh, sculptor of ice. So that's about 10,000 hours right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was right here, maybe, because it's giving us the actual title of the song. So I think this is the one that you learned to play by ear. Which is not a talent that I understand. I've, I know people in my family have had it. It's not one that I have. <laughs> uh, she just asked him if it's his first time playing. He says, well, yes, but my father was a piano mover. So you see, it, it runs in the family. Oh, this might be... Actually, I should tell you this part. Uh -huh. This was all ad-libbed by Bill Murray. He, he's asking Ed or Ned, I don't know where you're heading, but can you call in sick? <laughs> and like, so the reaction is all, all just him reacting to Bill Murray saying that out of nowhere. But yes, I think that's the last Ned Ryerson one. There's a uh, there's a plaque also on the corner where Ned approaches him that says this is Ned's corner in the same town. So if you're a big fan of this movie, go to Woodstock, Illinois. I always get this mixed up with Scrooge because they're both Bill Murray movies and there's old old homeless guys that die in the movie despite Bill what Bill Murray can do. Uh, sir? <laughs> sir? It's a restricted area, but you, you keep walking. I demand to see his chart. I'm a guy with a tie. See, what you don't know is I've had the past hundred years to study 
medicine. <laughs> Clearly what he needed was some soup. I, this doesn't ever really pay off because uh, as we're going to see, well, pay off in a way that like he can affect it. Because as we're going to see, no matter what he does, the guy, the old man, the old folks guy at the corner at the beginning dies that night. Yep. Um, I heard someone say that they think that the whole point of this is simply that it teaches Phil that he's not a god. He There are right. things that he cannot change even in the time loop. So that's as good a reason as anything because after this last time he dies, we don't really ever see the homeless guy again. It's not really mm-hmm. mentioned. <laughs> this is so good. All the other news people are just recording him. Nice speech, Phil. Good job, Phil. Good job, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Okay, this is only like 9 a.m. on this uh, day. Uh, they shouldn't all know his name by now, unless he's been just shaking hands since he woke up. That was surprising. I thought you were a piece of shit. I didn't know you could talk like that. <laughs> I know you knew words and shit. None of your business. You're going to find out in a little while. So we're getting towards the end of the movie. I just another weird question about the logistics because everything he learns is based on um, repeats. So all these errands that he's doing, how many times did he do them before he got to this final version where he does all of them in one day? Right. <laughs> just saved a kid's life. That kid, um, the fellow of the tree, actually grew up to be a local news reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Our car is bouncing like the Latinos. That's a shout out to Eddie Guerrero, everybody. Also, he does all these errands or whatever, but Mm -hmm. like, I get saving the kid, you know? Uh But like, like why stuff like that? You know what I mean? Like like the the car, that's not life saving. This one is. Yep, because he saves the mayor from choking. Right, but like the the ladies in the car is a little odd to me. That is odd, but we also don't see what happens if he's not there. Maybe they get hit by another car or something. Oh, uh, maybe. But it's also a sign that he's just becoming a much nicer person because he's not getting any reward on this. He's just do although that one's him being nice, but in in uh our time that seems like giving someone cancer mm-hmm. <laughs> by lighting the cigarette. But yeah, he's not getting any reward on this. So that's also what it's showing us that he's just getting doing nice things for the sake of nice because there's nothing he gets out of it. Oh God. Hopefully I have to put that guy in the time loop. Shoot. 
Yeah, I'll go with you. <laughs> yeah, that's that seems exactly like what she was offering. Like I didn't catch that the last time I watched it. Did you see him take back his tip? Yeah. <laughs> that's such a douchebag move. Oh. Phil? Phil Connors? Larry, you ask, you should ask Phil about Nancy. <laughs> There's one person in this town that knows Phil. It's Nancy. Yeah. They went to high school together. <laughs> the guy that plays Larry is like, um, I don't know his name, but he's in a lot of different comedies and he has been for yep. a very long time. But I don't remember if he's ever got to play like the main guy, which is interesting. Uh, no, that's a different actor. Yeah. No, I don't think so. He's always very funny, but he's like he's always just off to the side of the main person in everything yeah. that I can remember him in. I can't believe Phil learned jazz piano. Also, because mastering piano is one thing. That That is one thing. He was learning classical music when we, st we saw him starting. Now he can play jazz. Those are two different things, as I understand them. Um, I hope you can confirm. Wouldn't that take extra time to learn jazz once you've learned classical? Yeah. I'm guessing... I mean... So the thing, at least in terms of like soloing and stuff, the thing, mm -hmm. the thing with jazz is like basically as long as you learn like chord structure and everything, then you can, you can like solo on top of like any jazz music, basically, as long as you know what key it's in. Okay. So some of the, the skills would be more transferable than my brain that doesn't know anything about music would assume. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, basically you suck. <laughs> By the way, I love that part where she's like, he, that's my student that for her he just met today and already had all that knowledge. Right. <laughs> I just noticed, this is just in the background, I noticed the old lady there looking at Phil, waiting for her cue to come up to them. But the fact that they're not supposed to be actors just made it look like she was just staring hard at Phil for no apparent reason. <laughs> oh, she's a very affectionate person when you save her husband's life. Yeah, right. Uh, it's a good thing that he saved his life or he would never have a chance to build Noah's Arcade. Is the same person. Yeah, I think I got that right. Oh, I went out of a limb there and I feel weird. That was, I did make the right reference. That is the same guy from Wayne's World, right? What? Say that again? Sorry, I'm trying to, I, I'm reading. I'm Sorry. reading the, <laughs> reading the, reading the words. The guy that plays the mayor, he is also uh, Noah from Noah's Arcade in Wayne's World, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. 
Oh, I really wanted to talk to you about this because it bugs the shit out of me when I see this in movies. Um, so Phil just gave the newlyweds from the diner tickets and they got all excited because it's WrestleMania tickets. And it bugs me to no end when a movie just used WrestleMania as a generic wrestling ticket. Like, mm-hmm. that Phil could just fucking get WrestleMania tickets. <laughs> it just, I don't know, the same thing happens in uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is bad for other reasons. But I don't know, does that bug you too as a person that knows wrestling when WrestleMania hey. is just the generic thing? I don't really care, honestly. Mm-hmm. If I can be completely honest, I don't give a crap. Uh, what if they did, uh, like, Wrestle Kingdom? I'd be impressed. <laughs> You're right. That would actually would be more like, oh, wow, they actually do Wrestle Kingdom. Good for them. Unless they may, unless they think they're making it up themselves as a completely that's, fake thing. That's true. What if they were like, oh, yeah, you know, that's Southern Wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, they got the tickets for it. Yeah, it's going to be in hot Atlanta this year. <laughs> uh, last year's show in Mississippi was just the best. This is one of those tropes from TV and movies that just... do. Are there bachelor auctions? Am I just not in the right circles that I've ever heard or seen one of these in real life? Mm-hmm. Uh, they happen all the time in TV land. Uh, TV Land's a very special, special place. I know. That's why I try to live there as much as possible. That's fair. Oh, Larry. Oh, poor Larry. I mean, Nancy and Phil have history. Fair. I mean, $60 in like 1993 money, that's nothing to sneeze at. Producers get paid a lot of money. There's a lot that dates this movie, but the fact that she looks at her pocketbook to like see how much she has in her checking account before she bids. Yeah. <laughs> Larry, get up there. Don't do it, Larry. It's not good for your ego. Oh, it's gonna be great for his ego. He's gonna get so much money. <laughs> Seventy-five cents. Two bits. Oh, I mean, it could be worse. It could be like there's an episode of The Simpsons where they do a bachelor's auction, and one of the uh, bachelor's is Mo, and he literally comes out on stage, and the music keeps playing. He just looks at all the frowning faces in the crowd and keeps walking to the reject pile. He doesn't even stop on stage. So Larry at least got bought. That's something. You think he just felt bad about punching Ned in the face that many times? Maybe. I mean, he's probably going to need that insurance after he gets out of the time loop and is like has to relearn what it's like to live with consequences. Right. <laughs> that, that would actually be a really cool sequel, like him having to like learn, like, oh, I can't just like step, uh, like I have to watch what I'm doing. If I fall down the stairs, I break something. Like, and relearning how to eat like a human. 
I'm assuming he doesn't always gorge himself, but <laughs> he, has to, he has to think about it again. Right. Also, there might be, I don't know if he would do this, but I feel like after 34 years, I would give it a try. He might have to relearn how to use the bathroom because he mm, just said, yeah. and started peeing his pants all the time. Uh, I hope that's not true, but you know what I mean? 34 years, you try a lot of stuff. I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's that's that is very very fair. Oh look, he made a snow angel. Like, well, it's not a snow angel. He Mark he covered up snow. Aw. She's not going to slap him for once. Yay! <laughs> Unfortunately, at this point, it's been so many times since she slapped him that that's all that gets him hard. Uh, yeah. It's unfortunate, really. I hate when that happens. That's an interesting moment I didn't notice before. When he starts looking up to the snow, like he's confused as if that's not hasn't happened before. Maybe that's a sign that things have started to change. That something happened that he didn't realize was going to happen. Yeah. I don't know if that, that was the idea, but he did look confused and he shouldn't in the time loop. So yeah, right here, it's kind of implied. The only line we get that explains at all why the time loop is broken is when Rita wakes up, she says, um, you know, or he asks her why she's still here. and he, She says, well, you asked me to stay. So that's literally the only explanation we get is that he asked her to stay, so she stayed. But um, I don't know. The only, like I said, now I've watched the whole movie. The only thing that really seems to be what caused it, because again, they had a very nice night before, it's the lack of a selfishness in it. Because the day before, he'd spent it only thinking of others and not for any reward. And I think that was the change that's supposed to have broken the loop, maybe? I don't know. Do you think there's anything else that could could explain it in movie logic? I get No, not really. Nah. Is it, I don't know. I, I do wish there was something a little more obvious. Yeah. I think I, I respect um, uh, the movie maker to just not do it because, like, you could. You, it reminds me of a, a story from Blues Brothers where Dan Aykroyd wanted to, like, show a scene where his car was, like, parked under a power generator it, just to explain why the car had all these weird magical powers. And the director of that movie was like, no, we'll just do all that weird shit with the car and people will believe it because we're showing it to them. You don't have to explain everything. So I think it's the same kind of thing here. Where it's like, you don't really need the explanation. I'm just curious if there is one that I'm not aware of. That's all. For her, I'm like, he retains all the skills. Yep. Yeah, like that's the other thing that makes it really cool is he gets thirty four years on Earth doing like learn all that shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> so he. So this is how they create the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> and then he starts drinking Dos Equis and everything yeah. else is history. Um, but yeah, no, as far like he's going to say one of like the last lines here as they walk out is that we should move here. Um, but yeah, like he literally remembers everything that he learned in all that time. Jesus. Hmm? Yep, we have one more, you know, romantic. We just met. We're going to move in together, get married. Yeah, no, again, from her perspective, this is like Take the second map. day they've known each other. Yep. But he knows everything about her. Yep. The only thing that, like, and I had to think about it for a minute, the only thing that makes it make sense to me is that first impressions matter. So because it's only like the second day that they've known each other, yeah, he was kind of a jerk in the car, but then when they get to Punxsutawney, he's doing all these nice things for all these people. He's, you know, helping everybody in town. Everybody loves him. Like, yeah. she, she's basically going to see him at his absolute best as the second day, so she thinks that's who he is. So, in mm, that context, yeah. it makes sense that they would fall in love. Gotcha. So, yeah, but it is still crazy. Like, I, I guess I believe in love at first sight, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, we're both cynical people. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty fucking jaded. So what? <laughs> so what? Uh Anywho, so yeah, that's the end of uh, Groundhog's Day. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And um, this Monday, we're going to be talking some Star Trek, as we always do, um, or some sort of sci-fi. And um, on Wednesday, we'll be Chaos of Ringside. So there you go. Um, Thanks to Eric Bowman for the theme song. And uh, follow me at LastKillChris1 on Twitter. Follow the show at ChaosPodShow on Twitter. And uh, follow me at Last Gilchrist on TikTok. And yeah, just thanks for listening and tell people about the show and tell them to listen to this as many times as Bill Murray went through Groundhog's Day. I feel like that's a fair request. (laughs) Just, you know, just like 34 years worth of listening to us talk about Groundhog's Day. That's all I'm asking for. Exactly. We're not asking for too much. I'm not even going for the full 10,000. I'm just saying 34 years. You, everybody's got 34 years to kill on this planet. Might as well use them. Yeah. Um, anyway, do you have anything else you want to add, buddy, before we get out of here? Just, uh, yeah, everyone should just listen listen to our show over and over again. It'll <laughs> definitely make you smarter. I mean, it's all we're here to do, that and entertain each other, basically. Yep. All right, have a good night, everybody. We'll see you soon. Do see you soon.